Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. Pia is in the house. Yes. So please make him feel very welcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, BWS. God bless you. Um, good morning, church. Morning. Hi. It's been a short, short while, um, but I'm very happy to be here. Uh, um, let us, um, let's pray. Let's ask God for grace this morning. But as we share from his word, um, we will have a transformational experience. When we approach God and his word, we approach that same word that turned chaos into beauty. We approach the very power of creation. So I'd like us to just, wherever you are, just ask God. But as we share from his word this morning, that he would bless us. He would cause the spirit of wisdom and revelation uh, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ to come heavy upon this assembly. And that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, we will move deeper in truth. I'd like you to pray for everyone who is in service today, that no one is permitted to live here the same, and that God will have his way. Our Father, we thank you. We come in faith, trusting and believing that by your Spirit, you will do a powerful thing here. We give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. God's people shouted a big amen. amen. A huge amen. All right, uh, let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. Um, thank you for um, the privilege of sharing God's word with you. Um, those of us that are relocating are meant to stand here, right, after service. <laughs> Do we need to bring our passports and travel documents? Or we just come? But it's really good to be here. Um, I don't keep on this. I know you don't know me, but I can't. It's really easier if I preach with someone playing gospel music. Uh, behind me. <laughs> um, gentlemen taking photographs, you need to let me know when you're taking photographs so I can strike an appropriate pose. Would you please look at the person next to you and tell them, I really love you. Uh, let's just break straight into it. Um, <laughs> it no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I didn't ask you to tell the person two rows behind you. I guess the person next to you, okay, tell them I really, really love you. I, I may not know you, uh, but I really, I really love you. Uh, for someone, that is enough. Um, my wife, Ogo, is here. Um, let's celebrate her. And uh, our daughter, Ogo, is also here. Thank you so much for coming this morning. All right. Um, um, I'm going to speak today. We've been speaking about um, matters of the heart. Um, you need to please adjust the timer because it tells me that I have three minutes left. And <laughs> Um, matters of the heart and um, I think last week um, and the weeks before we've introduced that subject um, and today I like to speak about enemies of the heart greed um, I know someone here might be a bit disturbed about what's happening in the country but I like to say that we will continue to do the things that we can do and we'll continue to trust God to do the things that God can do is that okay Okay, all right. If you, if you had the privilege of watching the very instructive and prophetic football game yesterday uh, in the evening, you would know that uh, God can do stuff. <laughs> all right, God can do things. All right, um, take notes if you can. It helps to remember some of the things that you hear. But let us, ah, I know the scripture to read first. Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. I like to read from verse 20. God is here having a conversation with a church. And he says to them, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to, to him and dine with him and he with me. And he says to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne 
as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I like that. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. And all through preparing for this conversation today, I kept getting that image in my heart about God standing at the doors of our hearts in this season and knocking, right? And just knocking. So help me tell the person next to you, you'll tell them, knock, 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 knock. And I will keep on reminding them. And I believe that as we are discussing this whole conversation around the heart, that God is essentially every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, some people in between services, he's standing at the doors of our hearts and he's knocking. Why? Because it is possible for you to come to church, be a Christian, and not experience the fullness of what God wants to do in your life if he does not have access to your heart. So, so as, we, as we go through these conversations, it's not just because it's a nice topic or a nice theme. It's because uh, they say the matter of the heart is at the heart of the matter. So God is standing at the door of our heart and he's knocking. I'd like to end the message today with a prayer out of Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. The psalmist says there, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we'll land there at the end of the service. But how is your heart? God says, I stand at the door and I knock. How is your heart? I think... Um, one Sunday we dealt with offense, right? So I think hopefully we are, you know, excavating any offense that you might have, right? Uh, the offense is a tough thing to carry. So, you know, God wants us to deal with that. Today I'd like us to deal with greed. Um, I love this piece of scripture from 2 Kings chapter, chapter 5 and verse 20 to 27. I'll read about a gentleman called Gehazi. The Bible says, but Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, look, my master has spared Naaman this Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord leaves, I will run after him and take something from him. I, I pause and I give a bit of context. Um, a man called Naaman had come to the prophet Elisha and with a problem and come for healing and be miraculously healed by God. And he says, I must give you something. And then the prophet says, you don't need to give me anything. He insists, I will not take anything from you. And so Naaman says, oh, no, God bless you. And he leaves. And on his way, he's going, Gehazi is the servant of Elisha, the man of God. So he says, you know, in that scripture we just read, um, my master has not taken anything from Naaman the Syrian. Um, I will follow him. So verse 21, so Gehazi pursued Naaman. And when Naaman saw him, saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, It's all well. And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garment. And so Naaman said, Please take two talents. And he urged them and bound two talents of silver into two bags with two changes of garment and handed them to two of his servants and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hands and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and then departed. Now he went in and stood before his master and Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Uh, uh, and then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep, and oxen, male and female servants. And verse 27, Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as snow. May God bless the reading of his word. 
All right, and, and so this for me is, a, is an interesting scripture. We read this and we immediately go, my goodness, Gehazi was a very, um, number one, he was a good liar. You have to give it to him. It's two sets of lies he tells there, you know, deep, detailed lies, right? Um, he tells the guy, look, someone has just come, we just had this visitation, the delegation has come, and look, we need, we need, to, we need to feed them, we need to clothe them, and of course, you know, the gentleman is, uh, you know, is very touched. Naaman is very touched. And he says, oh, by all means. I mean, the prophet said he wouldn't collect anything. But you know how sometimes prophets can be. You know, they say, I won't go there. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to stay well behaved. Um, and um, he says, oh, here you have to. And the stuff he takes, two servants have to help him take it. And, you know, he gets home and then, you know, and then, he sees the prophet waiting for him. Um, a smart person at that time probably should know, you know, like you come back from somewhere your mom said when you're younger, shouldn't go, and then she's standing outside waiting for you. At that time, you should immediately confess. But, you know, Gehazi, you know, skilled at lying, immediately says, I did not go anywhere again. And, of course, you know, the prophet begins to say to him, look, this is wrong. And he says to him, you have tampered not just with your personal state, but even with the state of your descendants. And as I pondered about this and, you know, thought about this whole God knocking on our hearts, God walking on our hearts, it, it struck me that um, Gehazi was in the midst of um, a, perhaps what was the greatest move of God in his generation at the time. Um, Elisha had served with Elijah and had gone through with him and, and thus, you know, um, and now if you read First Kings, uh, you see that transaction happening where essentially he inherits what we call a mantle, but just the anointing, the overflow of the expression of God's goodness and kindness and power in the life of Elijah. And essentially the role that Gehazi has is the same role that Elisha has. But... Um, Gehazi truncates what could possibly have been a multiplied transference of the grace and the kindness and the anointing of God over into another generation, right? And, and why does that happen? There is something in Gehazi's heart, and I think it is our subject and our, our consideration consideration to tell the person next to you tell them knock 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 please tell the other person since they're not listening to you tell the one on the other side tell them knock 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 in fact please tell them God is knocking on the door of your heart if you know uh, you're not preaching with me this morning if you know their name can you help me call them tell them God is knocking on the door of your heart okay God is knocking on the door of your heart I have no doubt about it he's knocking on the door of your heart. So Gehazi is faced with something spiritual, but he moves, he, he makes a transaction in something physical and he loses out on the spiritual. Gehazi is faced with something powerful, but he makes a transaction in something weak and he loses out on, on the powerful. Gehazi is faced with something that has eternal significance, but he, he, he focuses on the thing that is temporary, and he loses out on the thing that is eternal. And oftentimes, there is something that happens within the heart of a man, within my heart, within your heart, that sometimes truncates what God wants to do, and that is greed. <laughs> I'll be asking the person next to you, are you greedy? Are you greedy at all? Are you greedy at all? Nah, no, no, no. Because greed is a strong desire for more. It's a strong desire for more. In fact, in my notes, I wrote that greed is a desire to, <laughs> to be more, to do more, to become more than what God wants for me at this time in my life. Greed is an inability to control or bridle the desire that we have for more things, more power, more of anything beyond what God has ordained for us at the time. 
And so I've been asking myself, as I read this, Idris, what is God trying to do in my life that because of something temporary, something um, immediate, that I am essentially trading away? Because greed requires us to move away from our trust in God to a place where we are drawn away by a desire for more, to become more, to be known as more, to own more, and thus step out of trusting God. Gehazi says, look, um, I know I'm in the presence of what God is doing, but I do not understand why this, um, my master does not see this opportunity and take it. I know, look, I'm in the, I'm in a place where if I wanted to, we can become rich. I mean, if Elisha had said to this guy, look, give us 10 talents of gold for this that we've done for you, the guy would have done it. But he says, look, I would not take anything from you. And, and Gehazi says, how can we not make gain from this? And I, and I don't know who it is today that, you know, you're in God's presence. And I believe God is, is, is knocking at the door of your heart and he's saying to you, look, at different times, you would have to choose God over gain. You would have to choose God over gain. Um, um, you would have to decide that I am content with the things that I have for now, regardless of the things that can come in the future. Because when desire crosses the lines of God's instructions, greed thrives. And, and we see it in our country today. We see it in our country, in our generation today. Why else will a fairly wealthy man take money that is meant for the building of schools for young people and decide that he steals it, converts it into his own, and then declares that he's rich? And so he first steals a hundred million. And a hundred million is okay money in most countries, right? And he doesn't stop there. So sometimes when they talk about the money that civil servants have stolen, they mention figures like two billion naira. Even if you convert it at any exchange rate, still a bit of money, right? It's greed. Why would a young boy, instead of waking up in the morning every day and going to work, stand in front of a computer and telling people in Australia that my name is Jane and I'd like to marry you. <laughs> I'm coming where you are, don't worry. We're coming. Just tell your neighbor, we're coming where you are. <laughs> we're coming where you are. You know, it's easy to describe these things like greed. Like, ah, greed. This guy has a guy, he's a bad guy, rubbish. Nonsense. Leprosy on him and his family. Politicians, greedy people, greedy people. But why will a young boy say, you know, and start typing messages. My name is Abdul Salami from the federal government of Nigeria. I have one million dollars for you. Text me your account details so we can share the money so that I can buy a Mercedes Benz and drive on the streets of Lekki and let people know that my God is real. <laughs> it's a bit of greed, right? Why would somebody say, sleep with me and I'll buy you iPhone 15 that has not yet been released? It's a bit of greed, yet a little bit, a little bit of greed. Help me tell the person next to you. Tell them knock, 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 knock. Help me tell the person on the other side. Tell them knock, 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 knock. Because I think Gehazi does not realize that he's in a moment that can transform his life. And so when we come to Jesus, he constantly not just wants to work on that which is external. Jesus loves when we come to church on a Sunday, but he wants access to our hearts. He wants access to our hearts. There's a difference between being comfortable with what you have and, um, or being ambitious and being greedy. Being greedy takes you over the lines that God has set for you. On the flip side, Jesus is also in Matthew chapter 4, he's also tested as to the content of his heart. Three times. The devil comes to him and has a conversation with him. 
knocks on his heart. Three points. One, at the height of his need, when he's deeply hungry. Two, at the height of the temple and offers him visibility, followership, and fame. And three, at the very height of the world and offers him the whole world and the kingdoms therein. But Jesus recognizes that what God wants to do in and through him is bigger than anything that the world can offer. It's bigger than anything than the devil can offer. And, and so I don't know who it is as we proceed in this conversation that God is saying to you, would you give me your heart in totality? Would you value nothing else above me? It's easy to live in a city like Lagos in a generation like we do now and get to the place where we value things more than God. It's easy. I mean, I live in Lagos, so I know what the pressure is like. I, I know what the pressure is like. You buy Corolla today, you drive it out, you're feeling happy, thanking God, playing, you know, your nice music. As you drive it out, you see the newer model in front of you. You've not finished rocking your new hair, they tell you there's a new one. What's the new hairstyle or the new female hair out? What's that? Sorry? Passion twists. Sorry? Passion twists is old, but what's new? Like really expensive and... Huh? But you know what it is. Is the pressure is real? Sorry? French, French coils. Right. <laughs> the pressure... The pressure is real. You've not finished moving into your flat in Lekki One. Then your friend says, I just moved into Banana Island. I, you're, so you live in Lagos and say, where do you live? And I don't know why what happens to me a couple of times. And they say, you live in Ikoyi, right? I'm like, <laughs> like no, Lekki. Oh, Lekki, okay. Lekki One or Two. <laughs> what, what's that about? I, say, I don't understand. <laughs> I said, what do you mean by lucky to? Because <laughs> I live in the middle, straight in the middle. But the pressure is real because you, there's the temptation to be defined by what you have. What is the brand of your watch? What is the length of your hair? What car did you come in? Where do you stay? How much is in your bank account? Do you have a foreign? Where do you eat? Where do you go for lunch? And so... Gehazi feels that pressure because he can feel the supernatural, but he knows that the prophet maybe doesn't understand what is happening. Two, you see, when the scripture describes what he took from Naaman, the Bible says two servants had to help him. It was a bit. It was a bit. Help me tell the person next to you, tell them knock, knock. Greed happens when the heart moves away from being planted in God. It's not old-fashioned. It's still very much within and with us. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, speaking to the people, Jesus continued, be alert and guard your heart from greed and from all this wishing, I'm, I'm reading the Passion Translation, and from all this wishing that you have what you don't have. For life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. I think the KJV or the NKJV says a, li a man's life does not rest in the abundance of his possessions. Greed says this is not correct. I am the things that I have. I am the things that I own. And for us as Christians to come into the fullness of what God wants to do, he must deal with greed in our lives. For us as Nigerians to come into the fullness of what he wants to do in our country, we must dethrone greed in our country. People who lead our country must no longer see billions of naira that's meant for all sorts of interesting things and convert it to personal purpose. And then we hear, it, it's a change that needs, that needs to happen. It's a change that needs to happen. What are the traits of people who 
who are struggling with greed. And this is a message for all of us, by the way. Greedy people believe that my stuff is my life. Greed expresses anxiety due to a lack of faith in God's capacity to provide, preserve, and promote. There's a, a lack of contentment and an inordinate craving for more. I want us to, we'll get to a prayer today where, because, and because we live in a generation, like I said, where people tend to be defined by what they have. And I remember when um, we, I remember, I mean, I just got in an SUV uh, maybe about seven, eight years ago. And someone was describing me to her friend, oh, my, one of my pastors has uh, a Range Rover. It's an old one, before you make it sound. <laughs> and, and she came back and said, oh, my friend saw you. Says, but well, my friend said, ah, it's the old model your pastor has. That thing pained me. <laughs> I know it pained me because I couldn't understand. Said, it, the car was new to me. And this is, <laughs> but the way that she said it casually that her friend said, I disliked the person from that time. I, didn't, I never met him, but I disliked him. He said, it's the old model your pastor has. And the pressure changes the way our heart trusts in God. And God is constantly telling people that follow Jesus. He's saying you must war against greed in your heart. Otherwise, like Gehazi, you will be drawn away. In the coming days, there are people sitting here who will be in government. And I'm saying that truth. But will we take bribes? Tell the person next to you, you will not take bribes. Tell them you will not take one copper of bribe. And you will not take dollars in bribe in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This congregation will stand against you in prayer and in publicity and social media. If you deny us because we are here together, when God said, let us deal with it because I want to promote you. God's people shout a big amen. Well, we are with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and no, no. So, there are people here who are founders of tech companies already and will be founders, but you will not fabricate figures to deceive your funders and investors in the name of Jesus. Uh, this thing is coming where you are <laughs> because you know, when we're looking at Gehazi, I said, Gehazi, you greedy, you greedy, but it, it might be slightly nearer home. We will not falsify figures. You know, I used to be an auditor, and my wife used to be an auditor, and I will not mention where we used to work, because someone will sue us later. But it became a thing that we, some people realized that some companies had at least three different set of financial statements. Some companies that we work for. One for the company, one for tax, one for investors, Maybe one, so sometimes even they can get confused in the lie. So when you say, okay, give me the details of them, they open, they're like, so. But our generation will be different. No, that amen is weak. Our generation will be different. God says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Gehazi was meant to be carrying. So when we talk about the God of Elisha, or Elijah, and then God of Elisha, we're also meant to be talking about the God of Gehazi. But two talents of gold and some Louis Vuitton shirts. I tell the person next to you, tell them knock, knock. <laughs> Greed can destroy our appreciation for the relative importance of things. Greed inevitably leads to sin, to corruption, to bribery, to theft, to fraud. But God is looking for a people, and that is our conversation this morning. He's looking for a people who he can work with. He's looking for a people who can bring their hearts before him and let him walk on it to the point that they cannot be drawn away. When Jesus teaches the parable of the sower, 
one of the things he teaches that has an ability to spoil the working of God's word in the heart of a person, he speaks about things like, he says, the deceitfulness of riches. He says the loss of this world. And this is so important, guys. Because we live in a world where we are being motivated constantly to be more, to get more. And do not, please don't hear me wrongly, because I will still drive the newest Range Rover one day. Like he's not saying amen, that's fine. This is between me and God, right? I will have a black G-Wagon, red leather seats. You, know, you, you guys know it. And of course, you know the number plate of that car is Luke 1215. <laughs> I've decided that a long time ago. I'll, I'll let you drive it on Monday, no sorry, Tuesdays and Fridays in the morning. <laughs> but, but I will. But I, I get the impression that God is saying, he's knocking on our hearts and he's saying, guys, would you allow me to circumcise your heart? Because in a sense, that's how God deals with greed in the hearts of the people. Romans 2 and 28, 29, the Bible says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Jesus is speaking to a gentleman who we call the rich young ruler. The man comes to Jesus and says, look, I've kept the law, I've done ABC, I've come to church, I've sang in the choir, I, I, I do A, I, I, give my I give to the poor, I don't shout at people, in traffic on Monday, I don't smoke weed anymore, I'm sexually pure. He says, what do I need to do to follow you? And Jesus says to the guy, go and sell everything you have and follow me. <laughs> the guy says, oh wow. He says, but I've done, you don't understand Jesus, I've been in church, my, even my father, don't you know my father? Priest Paul. You don't know him. He, look, no, Jesus says, I hear all these things. He says, but go and sell everything you have and follow me. The Bible says the young man leaves Jesus so rueful because he had great possessions. I don't even know whether Jesus wanted his money. But I suspect that Jesus was trying to show him the degree of attachment and greed that still resided within his heart. So even me now as I am, can God say it is sell everything you have, all your shoes, 13 or 14 of them, if you don't count the sneakers, all your shirts, what else have all your phones, all your cars, all your houses, all the money you have? My daughter is wondering, where will my school fees come? Don't worry, God will provide. <laughs> Can God ask you to give everything you have? Everything. The money people know you have, and the money people do not know you have. Tell the person next to you, tell them knock, knock. Someone say to me, I'm lucky because only 5,000 naira I have. <laughs> Once he asks, I, I had it. But, but what Jesus was doing, and I, like I said, it, it wasn't just money that Jesus was trying to get from the guy. Jesus was trying to show him, but I'd like you, I'd like to ever so often separate you from the hold that things have on you. In fact, I would like to do that as a permanent thing. All through scripture, God shows the people of Israel that he wants to put them in a place where they depend on him, not the things he uses to bless them. So when he supplies them with manna, 
he would say, take manna for the day only because he did not want to get them attached to it. And then he says, one day don't gather. When he talks to people, God will say, work for six days and the other day don't work. He talks with the Old Testament about the circumcision of the middle child. But in the New Testament, it's the circumcision of the heart. How do we circumcise our hearts as Jesus followers? Little things. Gratitude. Sacrifice. Giving. Obedience to God. Are things that keep our heart fastened on God. When we tithe, when we make do percentage giving, it's not just because we're being religious, but it's a conversation that we're having with God that God, you are bigger than this money to me. I don't know about you, but sometimes tithing is painful. Anybody? Nobody? Okay. No, no, it's okay. Sometimes tithing is painful and we're in church. God knows, he knows, even God knows. And then there's some money that comes that tithing is very painful. Because when you're tithing a thousand bucks, it's hundred and But when it's ten million, you're not like, ah. <laughs> One million. But you know, if you've not learned to tithing a, a, a ten thousand naira, when a hundred million comes, <laughs> even you will start looking for scripture. You know, say, but what, who is Melchizedek? And is, it, is this Old Testament or New Testament? Yeah. <laughs> That's, but when they pay you dollars, 100,000 US dollars, then the title of that is what? $10,000. You just use your hand and you remove that money and give it to God. As it, for what, okay, so what do they really use that money for? That's when you become an intellectual Christian. You start speaking English. No, let's understand. What's the origin? Is this something that went through the cross? Do, do we still do this in the New Testament? You now start going on Google. Who should we pay tight? <laughs> Sometimes tithing is painful. But every time you tithe, it's not just that the church gets blessed or God gets blessed. It's that your heart gets circumcised. And so you remind yourself, and I'm not depending on these dollars. I'm not depending on this money. And even if it all went away today, God will provide more than this. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And ever so often, God will circumcise your heart. He will say to Abraham, would you give me Isaac? How do you ask me to give you Isaac? Because Isaac is not just another son. He's my only son. Ever so often, God will ask you to do something that May, look, may make you look like you are going backward in life. Let me tell the person next to you, let them knock, knock. That is why worship is such a powerful thing. <laughs> because in the place of worship, we constantly express gratitude to God. And keep on saying to God, you are bigger than silver. You are bigger than gold. It's not just because the lyrics are nice. It's not just because we can't sing worldly songs. That we like to sing all these worship songs. But it's where we constantly come before the presence of God. And we circumcise our hearts. What's your favorite worship song? Sir? Just play it, sir. Who sang it? Honor? Sorry? Honor who? Just, just play it. It's Christian, right? Yeah, just play it. I'll make, play old song. No, this is a new song. Play old worship song. I'm not that old, but like old. Play chorus. <laughs> play something that I will, I want a worship song that I can sing. I think I know that. I will, that's I will make room, right? What's the next line? I will.
Thank you. So when we sing all these songs, we're circumcising our hearts. We're reminding and standing before the one who created us and saying, you are bigger than everything else. I would make room for you. When I stand before God in worship, in thanksgiving, I'm reminding myself and him that I belong to him and no one else. People who develop a circumcised heart create and generate an atmosphere of contentment around their life by maintaining gratitude and celebrating what God has given them. I was preparing for this. I had a strong impression that some people are ashamed about the things they don't have. And you know, it, 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 I don't know who you are, but you are ashamed because of what you think your parents do not have. And God wants to call you to order today. And I don't know who that person is, but he has given you the most wealthy people for your destiny. In fact, when I was preparing last night, I wrote it down in my notes, that some people you are underestimating the weight of the mantle that God has given your fathers and your mothers, your parents, your biological parents, because you cannot see naira or copper or dollars. And so like Gehazi, you are dealing in transactions where you are substituting the physical for eternal. Because if only Gehazi understood what Elisha was carrying potentially meant for him, he would have said, ah, man, Neman is boxed up. He's a billionaire. But this transaction is not for us. This transaction is not for us. I don't know who it is that God is saying, not everything is for you. A circumcised heart will practice moderation in all things and will let the Holy Spirit direct their appetites and desires that they pursue. Not all transactions are mine. Not all profit is mine. I will not let my desires cause me to disobey God. I would not let my desires cause me to cheat other people. A circumcised heart values nothing above God. Nothing above God. Nothing above God. I said earlier that some people are, God is calling call you to government. Some people you will run banks. You would run Lagos State. You would run countries. But do you want to get there carrying a heart that is circumcised so that when the things that have displaced entire generations show up before you and they say, sir, this is how they normally do it. If you sign like this and sign like this, we'll send 10000 or $10 million to your, to your account. You tell them, not me. Not me, not today. Never. That I come in the name of the Lord. That we will not continue this process where people essentially carry causes upon themselves and their generations just because of greed. Tell the person next to you, tell them knock, 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 knock. Let's pray. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't know who it is, but God genuinely wants to have a conversation with you. He says, I stand at the door of your heart. He says, and I knock. Would you just go ahead wherever you are and talk to God. And say, Father, I let you into my heart today. Father, I let you into every part of my heart today. Someone you are already in a transaction and you would have to repent. That's the word we say. Someone, you're already in the business. And God is saying to you, 
you have to repent. Someone you know that you have falsified documents. Maybe it's a relocation, you have falsified documents. And you're saying, this is greed, I'm not going to do this. If God cannot take me there, I will not go there. But I like us, wherever you are, to just talk to God and say, Father, circumcise my heart. I bring my heart before you. But my heart, Lord God, will be completely and totally yours. Completely and totally yours. Completely and totally yours. Completely and totally yours. Someone else is praying today and saying, Lord, clear my heart. Show me my heart. Should we take that song? Can we just go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost for a minute? Just pray in the Holy Spirit. If you can, just pray in the Holy Spirit. Just pray in the Holy Ghost if you can. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Someone, you are dethroning everything from your heart that is not God. Someone is just praying in the Holy Ghost and you are dethroning everything in your heart that is not God. For someone, you are dethroning pain. For someone, you are dethroning silver. You are someone you've defined your entirety by what you have. Gold, silver, watches. What people think you are. How famous you are. But God says, that's not life. That is not the life that I called you to. I'd like you to just dethrone them and say, God, you and you alone stand upon the throne of my heart. And I declare that I serve no one else but Jesus. I don't know who you are, but you just need to go ahead and have that conversation with God today. For someone else, you are already in certain transactions. And so you are having that conversation with our Father today. And you're saying, Lord, I'm turning back. I'm coming back. And I put my trust totally and completely in you. And I declare that if you cannot provide for me, then that is fine. But I know that you will. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. No, he seed back for bread. Ah, Someone else is saying that cost. But it's upon all the generations in the country Nigeria. It will not come upon me and my children. And the clever I will do justly in the name of Jesus. Someone else is saying that when it comes to temptations and questionings at the height of my need, at the height of my desire for fame, at the height of my desire to things, Lord, let me stand like Jesus. Let me be able to speak by the word. Someone else is saying greed will not lead me to places that God has not ordained or designed for me in the name of the Lord Jesus. Someone else is saying God will provide all my need according to his riches in glory. He says blessed are those. He says we do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful. Make bold your declaration in God's presence today. Make bold your declaration in God's presence. Someone else is saying, Lord, I repent. I will no longer judge myself by the things I have or do not have. I declare that I am rich in Christ Jesus. And that is enough. 
that is enough that is enough hey he says be content with the things that you have he says because i have said to you i will never leave nor forsake you someone else that is the confession of your hearts today but all around this place life point why don't we declare to the one who made the heavens and the earth the bible says the cattle upon a thousand hills are his the silver is his the gold is his. why don't we declare to him and say lord you are my god and nothing else we dethrone idols we dethrone idols we dethrone idols today with the throne idol. Someone else is saying, Lord, I declare that I will live for you and you alone. I will live for you and you alone. There is a mantle waiting for your heart to be perfect. It says the eyes of the Lord go and to and fro around the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him, that he may show himself strong on their behalf. Someone else's God is calling you back to the place of fighting and giving. Lord, we thank you. Can we take that song, that make room song? Can we just take it one time? Our Father, we thank you. I find Jesus for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng. For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org.